Welcome back to the latest edition of Lightning Strikes Podcast. This is Lightning beat writer Joe Smith of Tampa Bay Times, joined by Tampa Bay Times columnist uh, Tom Jones. And I think, uh, I don't know if it was the wind outside or the whole Lightning <laughs> fan base breathing a sigh of relief here in St. Pete and Tampa Bay over uh, the news uh, today that uh, Victor Hedman, their star number one defenseman, their rock, will be out just three to six weeks uh, with that lower body injury suffered last night. And, and Tom, I don't know, you were watching the game. I was there. Uh, when it, when hit when he left the ice and had he helped off, what was going through your mind? I, it was going through my mind was he's out for the season. I mm-hmm. thought for sure he was going to miss the entire season. We saw that injury, and you saw the replay, Joe. We both looked at the replay real close, and it really tweaked his knee to the point where I was thinking back to when Stamkos got hurt a year ago, mm-hmm. and I didn't even think when Steven Stamkos got hurt, it didn't even look that bad. Like, I yeah. still have a hard time finding out exactly what he did. When I saw what Hedman, what happened to Hedman, I thought, oh, this, this looks really bad. And the fact he couldn't put any weight on it, and the fact that they determined almost immediately that he wasn't going to return to that yeah. game, and just a vibe that you saw in the locker room after the game, it didn't seem good. Uh, there, was no, there was very little doubt in my mind that he was going to be out for the rest of the season. As time went on, obviously, uh, we found out that wasn't the case. But, but there was a scary maybe... Uh, what, 12, 14 hours for this franchise? Absolutely. And I know everybody was emailing me, texting me, like, was there update yet? I'm like, I don't know. I'm texting Steve Osmond. He's like, not yet. And so I think the longer it went, I think people were either worried the worse or thinking, maybe it's not bad as originally thought. And I, I agree with you, Tom. I thought last night when his knee buckled like that, I've seen him play through some tough injuries before. And, and hearing guys like Steven Samko saying, hoping and praying after the game. Yeah, and that's... like, it wasn't quite, they weren't like, oh, he'll be back on his feet tomorrow. We're pretty optimistic. We're hoping he's okay. It was more so like, I think people realize, the teams realizes that other than Andre Vasilevsky, maybe, this is the one guy I think you can't afford to lose. Absolutely. He is the, the guy that you can't afford to lose. They could survive Nikita Kucherov missing him. Not that it's preferable, obviously. Or the whole season. I mean, the whole season would be tough. I'm right. saying, like, for like, a lot. But if you, if you lost, if you, if you gave me a choice, and again, this is not a slight on anybody else, let's take Vasilevsky out of it yeah. because, you, you know, any team loses their goalie, it's like losing mm-hmm. your starting quarterback in football. But if you told me, okay, I'm going to give you a list of three guys, mm-hmm. who would you least like to lose for the entire season? And, and the choices were Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, and Victor Hedman. By far, mm-hmm. by far, the guy that I'd least like to lose if I'm the Tampa Bay Lightning is Victor Hedman. I, I could survive, I think, without Nikita Kucherov for the rest of the season. Wouldn't be preferable, but I could do it. We've seen them kind of survive without Steven Stamkos mm-hmm. in the past. I know it's a different team and all. Um, but Victor Hedman, you know, there are other scores on this team, Joe. There's not any. Uh, there's not another Victor Hedman on this team. No, not in this league. I mean, there's only maybe a handful or half dozen legitimate number one defensemen you have in this league. That's why they're Norris Trophy finalists: the Drew Doughtys, the Eric Carlsons, the Brent Burns. The you know you get on a list of uh, a few yeah. guys that are are legitimate guys who play 25 minutes a game and who are locked down like bonafide stars. And so that's why when you lose a guy like that. It's a ripple effect is what's to be interesting part, I think, to me, Tom, the next uh, six, three to six weeks is how they fill that 26 minutes mm-hmm. and how they feel he was on a power play, he was on penalty kill, and him playing that minutes allowed the other guys to slot down to their particular roles. Right. So where now you're going to see Sergachev, who would have thought he's going to have to be playing 20 minutes a game mm-hmm. with the top pairing with Anton Stroma and the top power play. You see guys like Braden Coburn, who was a healthy scratch a week ago right. in the top four, and then Ang Slater Cuckoo, who I think – He's replaced Jonathan Jordan with fans' favorite guy to get back in the lineup, you know, <laughs> every day. 
um, he's going to get his chance to to see what he can do here. So I think I'm curious. What are you curious to see about with his next six weeks? No, I, I think I think the guy that I'm really looking closely at is Sergachev, and I know he's he's a guy that you know John Cooper has done a pretty good job managing his minutes. He's done a good job managing everybody's minutes, even down to a guy mm-hmm. like Dan Girardi, mm-hmm. who's not playing as many minutes as he did when he was when he was in the lineup, not playing as many minutes as he did when he was with the Rangers the last couple of years, but. Yeah, everybody's going to have to pick up a little bit of ice time. And, and the guys that are going to have to do that, Mikhail Sergachev is going to get a little more, you would think, number one power play time. Uh, he did last night. Right. Yeah. He's going to be out there a lot more. Um, you know, then the guy, the, the thing he has, that Cooper has to be careful of, look, they got a big lead here. They're not going to lose this lead while Victor Edmonds out, I wouldn't think. I it's, a 12 point, it's a 12-point lead, it's a 12 point and, and if you go six, six weeks, it's a maximum of 17 games because the all-star break right. and the bye week. So right. You know. So, I mean, in those 17 games, if you could sort of go sort of 500-ish, which would be about 34 points over yeah. 34 games, or, or 17 points, it would be about 17 points mm-hmm. over 17 games. Um, I wouldn't like I wouldn't start overextending guys like Anton Strawman. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't start playing him so much, or even Braden Coburn, or start playing those guys so much that you're going to wipe them out. Mm-hmm. For the, you know, here, this is going to sound really uh, half glass half full type mm-hmm. joke. For you, for well, yeah, for do. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you know if if he if Victor Hedman can recover from this injury fully, mm-hmm. if he comes back to a point, and I would not rush him back. Yeah. You have a big enough cushion; you don't have to rush him back. That maybe having a few weeks off isn't the worst thing in the world for a guy who's playing what 23, 24 26 minutes, minutes a game. Twenty six minutes a game. That's a ton. Now I know a guy like him; he's in good shape, and he can yeah. he can handle that workload. But maybe it isn't the worst thing in the world to to take a you know a couple of weeks off here. If you're going to look at the bright side of it, maybe that's it. I and, I, and I think too, like I was talking to Steve Eisman earlier today on the phone, I was like, could it be like when a couple of years ago when Anton Strawman went out for a extended period, and they, did, they had guys that had to develop on the fly. They had guys, the depth all of a sudden had a better group of players that are better for it because they got a chance to play more minutes. And I think if you're Steve Eisman and this February 26 trade deadline comes around, this next. Four or five weeks is going to tell me a lot of how deeply and how badly I need a defenseman or yes. so. And so I think if you're if you're looking at this, like, you know, how good is Braden Coburn going to hold up? How can Jen Trotty play? Does Sergeyev can handle that number one role? Can Cuckoo come up? Can Cuckoo come up and play in a top six role? I think this will be a key evaluation period for him to see. Okay, well, this is what we have. We have these eight defensemen for a reason. Let's see what they can do. And then that will kind of force his hand, I guess. I think. No, I think you're absolutely right, Joe. Look, there's no scenario in which you're going to replace Victor Hedman. They are not as good defensively mm-hmm. today as they were yesterday. Just not to, it, yeah. You can't lose mm-hmm. Victor Hedman. It's the same thing, like you said. If, if San Jose loses Brett Burns or Ottawa loses Eric Carlson, you're not as good defensively on the back end as you are when you had those guys. So you're, you're not going to replace Victor Hedman, but you are going to find out a little bit more about some of the other guys you have. And... Yeah, I mean, you have to envision, okay, what's my team going to look like in May, if you get that yeah. far, if we have to play a few games without Victor Edmund? You have to envision that. It's a possibility. And that's why, Joe, more and more I think about this, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I mean, could you see a scenario where they go ahead and trade a forward at some point, whether that forward is, you know, Tyler Johnson's a name that comes up a lot. I know Alex Kalorn has a no trade, right? Yeah. So he'd, he'd be hard to move. Uh, and the Mestikoff, like, could they end up moving somebody? And you're not going to get for even for Tyler Johnson or Vlad Mestikoff, you're not going to get a number two defenseman even. I'm going to get Jacob Truba. Right, you're going to get like a number three or number four. Mm-hmm. Is that something you think Steve Eisman will start looking at? 
Well, I not mean, not for the short term, but I mean for the long term. I mean, I think I think he's I think even before the Hedman injury, I think the Lightning was looking potentially to improve on the blue line in that top four. It doesn't have to be the top one guy or top two. Yeah. A top four is still a top four. If you have Strawman and Hedman top or Strawman and Sergeyev top for that particular time period, if you get a guy who could fit into that group, I think it would be something that's like that final piece to the puzzle that any team that is a cup contender, even that team in 0304 time, needed a couple of pieces there at the deadline. Either they're a yeah. team in hockey that second half of the season. Oh, yeah. They got a Daryl Sador who wasn't – a top one defenseman, but no, he was, but he, was he was a veteran guy who'd been through you know, a lot of Stanley Cup uh, battles before, and uh, and certainly brought a lot of leadership and was good into the room, um, good chemistry guy. So yeah, I mean something like that certainly uh, would be a benefit of Lightning. Again, you're not going to get a, t- a one or two. Ty- even a guy like Tyler Johnson, if you trade Tyler Johnson, he's not going to get you a one or two back. Let's mm-hmm. let's be honest. That's those guys are such valuable commodities that you're going to have to give up more than that. Um, Unless you get a future number one, too, like well, Sergeyev. Yeah, Sergeyev well, you know, that's true, but yeah. although I think the Lightning would look to add more immediate, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. Somebody who's like a veteran guy who's like a Daryl Sador type. I don't know who that is. Well, they, mean, they, like, they have a guy like Cody Cece who's available in, in, in Ottawa, and then um, a guy like Falk, you know, he might be available, like a right shot. Like They're looking for different guys that way, but... It's hard to tell because nobody wants to give those guys up unless right. they're out of it or they're rebuilding. You know, because anybody who wants to rebuild has to have those guys in their lineup to sure. do it. So that's why they're sure. so expensive, and you have to kind of pull a Jedi mind trick like Steve Eisenman <laughs> can do it from time to time. And you mentioned Tyler Johnson. I mean, do you, if if you were the Lightning, you know, he's obviously been as hot as he's been in the last year and a half or so. Would you would you even consider trading him, or is he, he too <sighs> valuable for a playoff run? You know what he's done in the playoffs every yes. time you watched him to do it. So it's you know what it's a, it's an interesting question, Joe. It depends on what you could get back from him. Mm-hmm. If you could get a really top notch defenseman, I'm not again not in one or two. You're not that Tyler Johnson's mm-hmm. not going to get you that. Those one or two guys are too valuable for for that. But if you got a guy that could play on your second pair, say mm-hmm. I think it's something you'd have to consider. As much as if you're a Lightning fan, you have to love Tyler Johnson the way he's played mm-hmm. the last month or so. You could you could make an argument he's been their best player over the past month, and at least among the forwards. And he's also a guy, Joe, as you mentioned, he plays big at big moments. He's, he's, a, good, uh, he's a good player in the playoffs. Now, there's some extenuating circumstances, right? Like his contract. He has no trade that starts in that seven-year deal. It starts at the end, at the summer here in June. So if you're going to make a move and that's going to be a guy you want to move, uh, you have a lot more freedom to do that without having needing his consent right. by the end of June. Now, that's still... A lot of factors going into play, and he and he is increasing his trade value at this particular point. I have sure. to imagine. So, if you didn't ask me a year ago, Joe, I would I would have said I don't know. If if you're gonna, if you're going to give me a healthy a healthy Tyler Johnson, and maybe that's why he's playing so well. Maybe he's finally healthy again. But if you're going to give me a healthy Tyler Johnson, I would have said mm, maybe I want to keep him. But the fact that Braden Point has emerged to be the player he is, and the fact that you know Yanni Gord is another mm-hmm. forward who's emerged the way he has. And Vlad Nemestikov, I know he's cooled off a little bit lately, mm-hmm. but if he's emerged to where he is right now, I, I think maybe you have an excess of forwards. You could move one of them. And look, if somebody's calling you, if you if they have a defenseman mm-hmm. and you're interested in making a deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not interested in trading Braden Point. You're not going to trade Braden Point. I'm mm-hmm. not sure you're going to trade Yanni Gord. I'm not sure Andre Palat's going to be available. Certainly, you're not going to trade you know, Stamkos, Kucherov, or whatever. Alex Kalorn has a no trade. Nemestikov is a guy you might be looking. Nemestikov you know. and Johnson, but if I'm somebody from the outside, Johnson's probably the guy I want. Mm-hmm. Maybe Nemestikov. He's, not, he's already a long term deal. He's already signed. Yeah. You know, um, good guy. Good, good guy. Good guy in the room. I mean, 
I mean, I think he, I mean anybody anybody could trade. Wade Gretzky's been traded. I mean, Jonathan Drummond sure. got traded in the offseason. Anybody can be traded. But I think he's on their best line right now. He, I mean, they're, yes. it's kind of hard to mess with like their best shutdown line is Johnson, Pilat, and Point. You know, and so well, not, maybe maybe Joe, this is what the next three to six weeks determines. If yeah. you look at this team and say, okay, you know what, we can survive three to six weeks without Victor Edmond. We don't, you don't want to do it for the whole season, but. It didn't fall apart like we thought it might. And maybe we don't need that extra defenseman. Or maybe we can pick up a defenseman Mm -hmm. for next to nothing, a veteran guy who comes in and maybe plays on our third pair instead of our second pair. Uh, And that way you keep Tyler Johnson. But if things don't go well here the next three to six weeks, and at least when Victor Edmonds on lineup, and you struggle defensively, you're giving up 40 shots a night, and you're getting no offensive production from your back end, then you realize you have to make a move, and I think Tyler Johnson's the best piece to acquire that move. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that I think agree. It's a it's a telling time, I think, and then I think it might be end up being a blessing in disguise for this team to both realize what needs they might have at the deadline, and it might have to force Steve Edgerton's hand or let him know, okay, this is how I, can, I can really evaluate these guys under this prism now, as this is what role they need to play in order for me to have them here. Yeah, whether it's Slater Cuckoo or Jake Dodge, and even who struggled as of late. Uh, you know Braden Coburn, and he's going to be that same guy he's been the last number of years. I mean, sure. You don't want to overextend him, but you know what kind of he's capable of doing. So I think this is a, a key evaluation period for him as a, as a team and our organization. It's a key moment for a guy like Slater Cooper to prove he can be an everyday NHL player. We've asked wondered for years if he can do that. Right. Um, everybody wants to see him make ice time, and he's, a guy, he's played pretty well in his right at time. But the difference between playing a seventh defenseman or playing 10 or 12 minutes and playing – Fifteen minutes. Sure, and that's a big, it's point. a big jump. All right, I got a question for you now. Andre Vasilevsky's given up what fifteen goals yeah. in the last three games. Is this just a hiccup, or is there a concern there? Or what, what do you think? I think on? it's. I think it's. I think it's a hiccup. I think. I mean, anybody who watched the Ottawa game on Saturday knew that <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> his fault. The team played really bad in front of them, and it was it was like a, a gong show a bit there. So, but I do think this bye week came had a really good time for him because. As much as they want to say he's young and he's athletic and he can handle this workload, I still like. I still thought he was playing a lot of games. Yeah, and they were, and these aren't games where it's the Marty Brodeurs where he was they're like great defensive system where he gets twenty shots a game and he can call it a night. And he's, you know, these are these are some high pressure games. These are high volume shot games and right. high grade A chance games. Mm-hmm. And so those are the ones. And I'm not worried about him maybe physically. I'm more worried like more mentally. I sure. Think. The guy like that because he's physically in great shape, and he's always going to be making sure he stays ready between games. But it's more of a mental thing you can get. Yeah, it's a lot, especially if you have a bad game on, on Saturday. The team plays poorly. You come back and, and Detroit find a way to win that game, of course. And then the last time, I mean, it's just I thought it was time for a break for him. And whether it was forced to by the league or anything else, I think it'll be interesting to see how they play this down the stretch of whether they play him. You know, I think he's fine playing sixty games. I just don't think he'd be good playing sixty to seventy is a little too much right. for me. You know, I think those, it's those funny. I started games. looking up a bunch of stats the other day of guys who've played like a ton of games. Like Marty Brodeur played like more than seventy games, like yeah. five or six times in his career. Now, different body types, and as you mentioned, I thought you made a good point, Joe, that Marty Brodeur, as much as I think, look, I'm not taking anything mm-hmm. away from because he's the best goalie of my mm-hmm. lifetime, but. There were a lot of nights where he it was 16, 17 shots, not even 20. Mm-hmm. And they would win games 2-1 to one because they would lock other teams down with that neutral zone trap. And they were very hard saves. You're right. And maybe the Lightning learns a lesson out of all this, Joe, in that um, it, you can't just play this run-and-gun hockey and expect that Andre Vasilevsky is going to bail you out every night. There have been a lot of nights this year, Joe, where they probably should have given up five or six goals. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. He, did. he gave up. 
two or three, and you're winning those games five three. Now you're getting into some games where, like last week against Ottawa, was a perfect example. It was sort of like, all right, they screwed around, screwed around, they fell behind three nothing. Then they got their act together, mm-hmm. tied it three three. Then they thought, okay, let's just play this, you know, fire wagon hockey. Yeah. Just go in and like we're playing shinny on a pond up in Canada. And next thing you know, you're losing six three because he had no help at all. Yeah. Maybe this is a lesson that hey, he's not. You can't let him go out there for 45 shots a night, and sometimes he's going to give up five. He's not going to mm-hmm. give up two or three. So maybe this is maybe this is a good thing, too. Well, and they'll learn, too, with, without Victor Hedman, these guys have to make sure they tighten up even more. This four right. is going to come back even more. Hedman can make a lot of guys look a lot better, too, you know, playing with him, too. Sure. And uh, all of a sudden, you have to figure out a way to, to defend and, and play that way. And I think part of the goalie situation, too, is Peter Buda, as Steve Dodgman told me today, is, going to, is out six to eight weeks. So that's from December 29th. That's mid-February. Right. And so you have uh, Louis Domingue played one game. He played pretty well against Detroit, um, so you have to mix him in. But he'll be the backup for the next about a month probably. Right, right. And so you got to see what – you feel comfortable with, this, with him in there? Do you yeah, I, I mean, yeah, from the one game I yeah. looked at. And the day that they made that trade, Joe, mm-hmm. remember I remember you, you know, the day Eisenman made the trade and you and I talked. And I, said, I thought it was a brilliant move on Eisenman's part that he was brought in specifically – for this As reason. insurance, in case what happens if something happens with Peter Brudai, what are we yeah. going to do? Well, you brought in a guy who has a little bit of experience, a guy who's not going to complain about being in the AHL. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wants to be here, obviously, but he's he's perfectly suited for the backup role. And, yeah, I would have no problem putting him in there. Again, you have such a cushion here. Mm-hmm. And, I, and not that you can all, you know, just, you know, give it all away, but you can, you, you can afford to lose a game or two, you mm-hmm. know? And maybe... It's not as important on that second night of a back-to-back coming up here, you know, in three mm. weeks or a month or whatever, to win that second game as much as it is to get Andre Vasilevsky a night off. Yeah. You know, that'll help you come April, come May, if you get that far, as opposed to you know just adding another two points in mid-February or whatever. I've had people ask, do you, do you need another face-off guy um, at the deadline? I know they have like eight of like eighteen centers on their team. It seems like so you think that yeah. they'd be able to be. Better in the faceoff circle. I think that's something they can improve internally. But I mean, I mean, if there's a guy like that, not Phil Pilar or maybe Phil Pilar, Dominic Moore, or like somebody in that third line role that can do that. But then who do you bump out? That was a question. Right. I mean, Corey Conacher is a healthy scratch now, unless you send him back, and he's not even playing in the lineup. Right. Then and all so, of a sudden, then you're gonna have to look to like you got to shift people around, and then all of a sudden you're not playing. We got to not play Chris Kunitz. You're not gonna play JT Brown. Brown. Well, that's fine. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. But if you could get a faceoff guy like that, that'd be great. I think we have to be careful, Joe. And I don't think they're great on faceoffs, but sometimes you can't just rely on the statistics. Like I'm more interested in okay, how are they doing in their defensive zone on mm-hmm. faceoffs? How are they in the offensive zone on faceoffs? Neutral zone faceoffs. I know it's puck possession. Mm-hmm. I don't care as much. You know, it's so um, look. It's not cost them games yet. I mean, for the most part, they're yeah. winning games. So I wouldn't give up too much to go out and get one of those guys, and I wouldn't destroy my chemistry, and I wouldn't start scratching guys. That contribute in other ways, but um, but you know if you can find a guy, sure. And it's definitely a concern in playoff time. I mean, those draws are more important at those big situational yeah. stuff like that. I mean, thirty six percent on the in penalty kill face offs. Like, that's you know, not good, and the, yeah, that's why the, probably why the penalty kill. If I had one area where they need to tighten up, mm-hmm. and I don't get it, Joe. It's not like they don't have good defensive players mm-hmm. or good goalie or good mm-hmm. defenseman. But I just maybe it's a freakish thing. It's mm-hmm. just coincidence. But they're obviously not very good on the power penalty kill. They're one of like 18th, 18th or 19th or something yeah, like that. And, and, and they give up a couple goals a night lately, it seems. so. And Girardi's been great, and, and Callahan's been great too. So, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and 
Tyler Johnson's a good penalty killer. Mm-hmm. Alex Kalorna can kill penalties. Like these guys aren't bad penalty mm-hmm. killers. It's just that I don't know if it's bad luck or they're not. They need to do something different or whatever. But it's that's one other area where I'd be a little bit concerned. Have you seen anything like the Girardi shot off the neck? Have you ever have you covered hockey for a long time? Have you seen anything as scary as that? I mean, I think you think you said something a stick or a, a skate blade got somebody. Yeah, I got. I mean, I saw Aaron Gaby get kicked in the face with mm-hmm. a skate once, and that was pretty nasty. We all remember the Clint Malarchuk yeah. when he got sliced up in the throw. I, I wasn't at that game. I was at the Aaron Gaby game where he took whatever it was, 160 stitches in his face. Um, the only other one that this sort of reminds me of, I remember covering a game one time, uh, Joe, where Daryl Sador, we were just talking about Daryl mm-hmm. Sador a minute ago, um, somebody took a slap shot from the point for the other team, and it deflected, and it came up, and it hit Sador in the face. It hit him mm-hmm. in the mouth, though. And that was more of a concern of, um, boy, he's really cut badly, and he's bleeding, yeah. and... It really, he needed a plastic surgeon to help, you know, recover. And it turns out, like, the scar wasn't as bad as it could have been. I mean, it basically obliterated his top lip. But um, but this was scarier, Joe, because I was, like, waiting for blood when I saw yeah. when I saw Girardi go down. And I thought there would be blood everywhere. And it was like, when I didn't see blood, I'm like, where did he get hit? Was it, did he get hit in the ear? Did he get hit, in like, the in neck, the temple? Spine, did he get in yeah. the neck? Did it come up, hit him in the eye somewhere? Yeah. Like... I, I no one knew where it hit him, so that was a that's got to be a scary thing. And he did everything right. He turned his head. He, yeah. You know, you never expected to catch you where it caught him. You know? Yeah, seventeen hundred fifty block shots in his career. It's the first time he hit him over the shoulder. Wow, isn't that amazing? You know, first time, and then his first time he said his wife was ever scared, which I can understand. I can understand that too. You know, yeah. that's such a. Tremendous thing. Well, it, obviously, it's been a busy week. It'll be a busy few weeks here. They have been the All Star team too with the four. Um, oh, Victor Hedman won't be playing in the All-Star game now. But That's Stanley, too bad. We feel bad for him because you know it was probably a big deal for him to play on his home ice. Oh, know? yeah. He was so excited for it. I mean, second one and, like, the four of them together on the ice at the same time. Yeah. You think about that with Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, and Vasilevsky would have been a cool sight. But uh, we'll get into that in a later podcast with the All-Star game. I know Tom Jones is a big fan of that. Martin, I do. I love the All-Star game. Martin Finley is not. But uh, <laughs> we'll get into that more in a later podcast. But uh, thanks, Tom, for joining. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe.